sailing away. I would never sail away. The ocean kind of scares me. If it was on a lake, maybe, but the whole ocean thing. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Hey, you can always leave me a voicemail. You're so funny. What's up, my zebras? It's another episode of the podcast. 814-799-0064. The voicemail is there for you to reach me, to say whatever you want to me. If you have a message to send out, if you have uh, you know something special you'd like to share with the world, if you have... Just uh, a deep insight uh, that you would like to hit me with. If you have something you'd like to promote, or if you just like to make stupid noises into your phone, it's really just there for all of those things. 814 799 0064. Take a listen. I would fish if your neighbor, your dog, keeps pooping in my yard, and if he doesn't stop, I'm calling the police again. And that was a beautiful voicemail left by one of you. I'm not sure who you are. I'm not going to give your phone number out. But hey, you did a great job. You should be proud of yourself. Reach that hand around to the back of your body and pat yourself on the back. Do you ever actually try to pat yourself on the back? It's more like a in between the shoulder pat or I guess you can I can pat my lower back, but that's about it. 8147990064. If you're interested in building your social media, if you want somebody to help you, I would be more than happy to do that. That's what my Happy Valley social media project is all about. You can find out more by reaching out to me on my social media accounts, which would be Facebook and Instagram, Robzy Radio, Twitter and Snapchat, Robzy Hey, This is Rob Z Radio. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Hello there. How many of us worry? Are are you a worrier? Because are you a worry wart? Don't you hate? <laughs> are you an old worry wart? I always found that extremely difficult to say, but that was like an old timey saying. Hey, you're just a darn old worry wart. Worry is stress. Worry is you know fear of the unknown. Worry can take over your body, your mind, and your soul, and. There is just, I cannot think of the amount of times in my life where I have let worry take over myself. If you're somebody who lives in your own head, kind of like I do time from time to time, then worry is something that just ugh, eats away at you. Damn it, it's it's too much. I can't handle it. So uh, over the years, I've you know tried to figure out ways to control my worry. Yeah. Uh, maybe by getting things done on time, <laughs> like anybody does that. Maybe by not procrastinating. Uh, that's a hard one to tackle. You know, there's there's ways to get rid of the worry, or at least to suppress or deal with or live with the worry. Exercising, a great one. Uh, meditation, another great one. Drugs, not so great, but it can help, I guess, depending on which drugs you're taking. Alcohol seems to be one that a lot of people can consume to you know, kind of get rid of those issues with their worry. But uh, I came across this book. Yeah, I read books. Nerd alert, nerd alert. Whoop, 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 whoop. There's a, a great book, uh, by the way, that I think most people know about. Dale Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of the most important books of all time, one of the most famous books of all time, as far as self-help goes and helping you to improve yourself and maybe to uh, make you a better businessman and, or woman in whatever business you might be in. 
That's one of the biggest books ever, uh, which I've read several times. I love that book, but I came across another Dale Carnegie book that I don't think many people, or at least that I've talked to, know about. It is called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, Time-Tested Methods for Conquering Worry. And this might sound ridiculous. Actually, I bought this book a couple of years ago, and it sat on my bookshelf. <clears throat> Sorry. And... Uh, I never read it. This was after he wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. I never read it because I, I bought it and I looked at it and I was like, this is this book's old. Like, seriously, it looks so old. I, I have, like, an old used copy. Uh, and I thought, my God, man, like, why did I buy this book? This is stupid. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living? Please, like, Dale Carnegie's going to be, be able to help me solve these serious issues with my life. And it's so old, right? It's like an old book. I'm trying to find the date here. Uh, copyright 1944. How crazy is that? 1944. I think the copy I have though is from 1984. And uh, it, it's it's really if you're looking for a book that will actually help you to alleviate your worry, uh, man, this book is the book. It is so good. It it, it really has a lot of even though it's old, there's certain things that are timeless. There are certain concepts that will last forever because they just they work no matter what age you are or what era it is or what the situation might be. It's it's kind of like anything else. There's always that core base of of you know knowledge that never changes. Even though technology keeps getting bigger, the world keeps getting crazier, and things start moving faster and they're more intricate. There's those base things that never seem to change. In this book, how to stop worrying and start living. Is, is just, it's fantastic. So I was reading it last night. I was trying to think of something that I would uh, talk about on the podcast today. And I came across this, uh, I, I was just reading because I always read before I go to bed. If you're ever, if you're an insomniac, trust me, I'm not an insomniac, by the way, but sometimes I have trouble falling asleep. So I started reading and this book just, it got me right away because it, let me just read you a couple of passages just to get you an idea of how this can actually help you to stop worrying. And, and of course, you can't just read, put the book down and never think about it. You got to like try to implement these things into your life. But Dale Carnegie is a very interesting dude. So he was talking about when he was a little kid, he was playing with his friends in an attic and he climbed down out of the attic. He, he said he rested his feet on a windowsill for a moment and then he jumped, but he had a ring on his left forefinger. And as he jumped, the ring caught on a nail head, and it ripped off his finger. Yeah, what? Uh, that kind of happened to Jimmy Fallon like a year or two ago, right? He said that, you know, as a kid, he thought he was going to die. He thought this was the end of it. But he said his hand healed. And this, of course, happened way back in the day. Like, if this, if this was written in 44, and he was an adult. So this probably happened to him, like, in the... 10s and the 20s and you know early 1900s so he didn't have it they, they didn't like put your fingers back on back then so he lost his finger and he said he said now I often go for a month at a time without even thinking about the fact that I only have three fingers and a thumb on my left hand isn't it odd that we don't call the thumb a finger I mean we're all they're all fingers why is the thumb separate uh, but isn't that interesting like that he totally forgot that he had lost that finger. You just kind of adjust the things. Then he wrote, a few years ago, I met a man who was running a freight elevator in one of the downtown office buildings in New York. I noticed that his left hand had been cut off, turn the page here, at the wrist. 
He said he asked him, asked the guy if the loss of that hand bothered him. And the guy said, ah, no, I hardly ever even think about it. I'm not married, and the only time I ever think about it is when I try to thread a needle. <laughs> I guess the not married part is because he's threading the needle, needles instead of his wife. I'm confused as to, or maybe because it was his left hand, and you know, on the left finger you would wear the wedding ring. I'm not quite sure how that all uh, plays into effect, but you know, it's, it's I get the idea. I'm beating around the bush here. He said, it is is astonishing how quickly we can accept almost any situation, if we have to, and adjust ourselves to it, and forget about it, right? And he said that he was uh, in Amsterdam, Holland, and he read this inscription. It was uh, in Flemish, which I don't know how to read Flemish. Thank God he wrote it in English. It said, it is so. It cannot be otherwise. And I think that's kind of a beautiful statement. Very simple very to the point, but it is so. It cannot be otherwise. Now, of course, you can change things sometimes, but sometimes there's things in life that you just can't change. Sometimes it is just so. And I've been repeating that in my head since last night whenever I wrote this and this morning whenever I woke up. It's like things that bother you on a daily basis. Like what drives you nuts on a daily basis that you can't change? There's things in your life that you that probably bother you every single day. I have flat feet. So I went out for a run this morning and, you know, I, I, my feet are flat so it makes it a little bit more difficult to run. But I've dealt with it. I used to get shin splints really bad. I learned to run on the balls of my feet to not get those shin splints. So I, I've worked around this issue that bothered me. And, you know, it is so. My feet are flat. It cannot be otherwise. My feet aren't suddenly going to have an arch in them, so work around the issue. Find a way to deal with it. He also has this advice from a philosopher named William James, who said, Be willing to have it so. Acceptance of what has happened is the first step to overcoming the consequences of any misfortune. I want to read that one again. Be willing to... To have it so, acceptance of what has happened is the first step to overcoming the consequences of any misfortune. Accept that it happened. It's easy to say, right? It's one of those things that's like super easy to say, really hard to implement into your brain, but it's very true, you know, and and I know a lot of people in my life who have had bad things, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I know people in my life who have had bad things happen to them, and they've lived with that bad thing, they've never gotten past that bad thing, and therefore they've let that bad thing, that negative thing that happened in their life consume them for the rest of their life, you know, it's very common, this is not something that is uncommon in any way, shape, or form, by the way, if you get this book, this is all from chapter 9, I just started reading chapter 9 last night, and uh, there's another story here uh, of a woman named, where is this lady, Elizabeth Conley of Portland, Oregon, now she had lost her nephew in war, he had been killed in, I believe it was World War II, um, I mean, America was celebrating the victory of our armed forces in North Africa. I'm not sure. North Africa. I'm not, I don't know what war that was. The African War. There was never an African, at least not by the United States. I, I don't know. But anyways, let's just get to the point of the story. Um, she had this nephew, and she loved him dearly. She helped to raise him, and he died in the war. 
and he passed away and she was overcome with grief. It was eating her alive as she could barely, you know, go on day to day. It was just every single day. It consumed her entire life when she was clearing out her desk getting ready to quit her job because she couldn't handle anything anymore. She just couldn't handle the pressures of life anymore. She came across a letter that she had forgotten about, a letter from this this nephew who had been killed, a letter that he had written to me when my mother had died a few years ago. The nephew wrote to her, Of course we will all miss her, especially you, but I know that you'll carry on. Your own personal philosophy will make you do that. I shall never forget the beautiful truth that you taught me. Wherever I am, or how far apart we may be, I shall always remember that you taught me to smile and to take whatever comes like a man. She said, I, re- I read and reread that letter. It seems as if he were there beside me speaking to me. He seemed to be saying to me, Why don't you do what you taught me to do? Carry on, no matter what happens. Hide your private sorrows under a smile and carry on. You know, you don't have to forget things, right? It's not like you're ever going to forget. Or it's not ever that you, it's not like, you know, moving on and trucking on past those difficult things or, you know, dealing with those things that you worry about a lot. Those things are always going to be there. But how are you going to deal with them? How are you going to handle your life with those things? And damn, man. I can think of people in my life, you know, I just, I think of a couple people and I won't name any names, but they've had terrible things happen to them and very sad things, family members, and they never got past those things. They've lived with those things their entire life. So yeah, of course you, you want to mourn. It's respectful to mourn, but I would think And I don't know what happens in the afterlife. I mean, we can all, you know, say what we think happens, but nobody's for sure because none of us have died and come back from the grave with the story. But, you know, if if somebody passes away and you continue to mourn them and never move on from from their death for the rest of your life, would they like that? If they could see what you were doing, would they like that? Would they be happy that you're mourning for the rest of your life? Or would they want you to just keep on living but in your heart keep their memory you know and every once in a while you know you know say a few words for them or you know do something in remembrance of them but to to live in sorrow for the rest of your life and once again man super easy to say super difficult to actually pull off so it's just words of the wise and that that sentence just kind of rings with me. It kind of stays in my ears. It's been staying in my head. It is so. It cannot be otherwise. Now, if you're religious, if you love the Bible, you know, and if you're um, a follower of Jesus, which I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily religious, but I definitely believe in a higher power. I definitely believe in the message of the Bible. I don't know if I believe in all the things that happened in the Bible. I think. Maybe they're more of just, you know, tales to live your life by. Uh, But we're not going to get into that. Oh, my God, Rob, don't get into that whole subject. But he wrote, uh, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within you. That is where the kingdom of hell is as well. (laughs) Jesus just hit you with the burn. You know what I'm saying? It's so true, though, right? You have heaven inside of you, but you also have hell inside of you. Which one are you going to decide 
to go after? Which one are you going to decide to follow? We all have all of that inside of us. Which That sentence right there says to me, you know, it's a lot of the things in the Bible. It's just like internally we have these two things that we battle. Yes, on the outside there is a good and an evil, you know, a heaven and hell kind of aspect. But inside of us, we all have that. We could live our lives in, in, in internally in hell, or we could live our lives internally in heaven. And I, I, I'd pick the heaven part. Not saying that I live my life like that every day, but it's just sound, wonderful advice. And reading books like this just um, gives me reassurance, gives me a great feeling. And uh, just, it, when you read stuff like this, Whenever you're getting down, if you're getting bummed out and you bust open one of these books, you know, circle your favorite things. Get a pen or get a pencil and mark down your favorite parts that you want to, like, go back and, and read again. That's what I do. So I don't want to reread the whole book. I just want to find those nuggets that I, I love from books that help me. Uh, another part of this that is just on another page is it is not miserable to be blind. It is only miserable not to be able to endure blindness. So this guy who was always terrified, like, Ever since he was a little kid, he never wanted to go blind. He never wanted to be blind. He ended up going blind, right? Later on in life, he fell ill and he lost his eyesight. That's just how it goes sometimes in life, right? And he, and he said, once he had been blind, it is not miserable to be blind. All these years, he had been terrified of not being able to see. And he said, it's not that bad. It is only miserable to not be able to endure the blindness, if you can deal with the thing that has happened to you, if you can handle it on a day-to-day -day basis, and you know, then be grateful for your other senses. I always kind of envied, and this is this is honest for me. I I've always kind of envied. They say when people like go blind or go deaf, whatever it might be, all of your other senses kind of come back and pick up the the slack for that sense that is gone. So if you go blind, then you're um, your hearing becomes so much better. It becomes very acute. I always thought that was so cool. And if you go deaf, your sight, you know, becomes so much better because you need that that ability so much more, and your touch becomes so much more acute. So I thought, man, that's just that's so interesting. It's kind of like you build a superpower because of one of the one of your other uh, powers are not there anymore. So I mean, if you're somebody like myself who doesn't really have any major ailments, who's very fortunate to be in this body, heart beating, everything's running well, and you're feeling good. Be thankful for that, even if you don't feel great every day, because I definitely don't feel great every day. I just threw my back out a few weeks ago. I've been feeling like hell for the past like week, but it's getting better now. Uh, but it makes you it makes you really appreciate because you never notice anything until it's gone wrong, right? If things are going good, like if things are good, what could be what what could I complain about? You know, then once something goes wrong, then you remember how good it is to not have anything go wrong. And once you're once something goes wrong for so long, you can lose sight of how you used to be, and then you can also lose sight of just appreciating being alive, of having that heart beating, of being free. If you live in America, if you live in like North Korea, then I guess you're not that free, and I apologize. But uh, just a very, very good book. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you with one more thing. I've got to wrap it up here. Um, this is interesting. And this, this kind of, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm just going to read it. They wrote, Dale Carnegie wrote, I spent 12 years working with cattle. 
Yet I never saw a Jersey cow running a temperature because of it because of the pasture. Hold on, what, let me read that over again. Way to butcher it, Rob. He wrote, I spent 12 years working with cattle, yet I never saw a Jersey cow running a temperature because the pasture was burning up from a lack of rain or because of sleet and cold or because her boyfriend was paying too much attention to another heifer. <laughs> a lot of heifers out there in the farm field, huh? Uh, the animals confront night storms and hunger calmly. So they never have nervous breakdowns or stomach ulcers. And they never go insane. Isn't that crazy? Like, we're animals. We're animals just like any other animal. We just think a lot more than other animals do. But yeah, you can see a cow out there grazing in the rain. No big deal. You know, it's cold. They haven't been fed in a while. They're hungry. You would never be able to tell. Unless they're, like, dying of starvation. Then you might be able to tell. But I thought that was interesting. Not saying that we should live our lives exactly like an animal. But look how animals handle it. They're just They just handle it. Can we handle things like they do? Like, maybe we can. So, in summary, I'm going to go live on a farm in a pasture and live with cows and eat grass and poop just out in the middle of the field. If you see a naked guy in a field with a bunch of cows, that's me. I'm not worrying anymore. You're the one worrying. Stop bugging me. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll talk to you guys next time. If you have a chance to get that book, you can order it on Amazon. I think I got it for like 10 cents or something. It was super cheap. Just buy one of the used copies. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Time-Tested Methods for something. Time-Tested Methods for Conquering Worry by Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, you are a beautiful beautiful human being i love that guy he's awesome uh by the way if you are worrying about your social media presence and you're like dude i need to do something with this social media right now i gotta blow this shiz up just contact me i'm a part of a company called happy valley social media i can consult you i can help you out you can reach out to me on social media facebook and instagram rob z radio twitter and snapchat Rob Z, yo, leave me a voicemail as always. My zebras, leave me that voicemail. Let me know what's up. 814-799-0064. 814-799-0064. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Kisses. <laughs> That's brutal.